היי אבריבדי, היי ציפי. היי, שלום צילי. היי רחל, רחל אבטון, ספירטואל, נו. ספירטואל קייר גיבר. I know Rachel many years. I know, I know. Oh, I know, but not, I don't know her, you know. I know her many years, and she's doing a beautiful job. Rachel, can you please tell us what spiritual care is? Spiritual care, first of all, thank you. Thank you for inviting me, and it's an honor. If you can say pleasure, because it's, you'll know in a minute. Yeah. Serious subject. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, it's a serious subject, but it's, uh, it's also my passion and my pleasure. Yeah, and I believe in it very much. Uh, because spiritual care, first of all, is the ability to support a person that goes through crisis in life through the spiritual resources. And it, the crisis in life could be all kinds of crises. It doesn't have to be, people connect it always to end of life, but it doesn't have oh, to be okay. end of life. It could be a transition. It could be a, a facing illness or aging or even giving birth or also of course traumas and uh, all kinds of difficulties in life, uh, divorce, retirement. Uh, not retirement, uh, like losing your job. But uh, yeah. anyway, it's different uh, challenges in life. And the spiritual resources could be different kind of resources. It could be a conversation about meaning of life. It could be learning how to be. It could be through art, through music, through mindfulness, through walking in nature. I, uh, think, it's the, I think it's the space between the professional help, you know, of psychology or psychiatry to the orthodox uh, supporters that, you know, that they go in the hospitals if you want to pray or if you want uh, support from a religious leader. And then there is a, a void in between that if you don't want either and you want something softer or friendlier, I think this is where you come along. So, so what right? actually... Um... What does it include, spiritual care, or what the, the, the caregiver, uh, what, what is his qualification? What he has to go or learn in order to be able to help others? Yeah, yeah. So that's why I, I will, it's a good question because I re refer to what Tzili is saying. What you're saying about the uh, chaplains in the hospital. Uh, so in the matter of fact, this is how we got, uh, we got into spiritual care in Israel. It was thanks to the Federation of New York that um, showed us that there's the chaplaincy in the States, that the chaplaincy usually uh, was uh, people, uh, people that are from religions, like ministers, uh, either rabbis or the minister, uh, chaplain, um, Christian or imam or Buddhist. And they study the clinical, um, um, clinical ways of listening and being with a person, not through his religion, her religion, but through just being as human beings. We brought it to Israel. We took it out of the denomination, like not connected to religion because in Israel it's uh, very complicated. So. We took it away from uh, being connected to any kind of religion. 
And we have in Israel um, programs, training programs that you uh, study 800 hours of, uh, yeah, it's two, it's a two year program. Yeah. I'm ahead of a training program uh, like that. It's called the KMA, my program. And uh, we study once a week for eight hours from nine to seven, from nine to five. And they have also training, 400 hours of training in the field. And in the study, you learn about theology, the way of people reacting to suffering, to death, to uh, loss. Uh, we learn the skills of listening, of compassion listening. And in Israel, and in my program, we take a lot of emphasis on the arts. Uh, to use the art, the, the music, the creative writing, uh, being in nature as a vehicle to connect to uh, the person as a whole, to the person as a human being. Rachel, can you tell us a little bit about your background because you had crossover because you came from an Orthodox home and you bridge all the time between Orthodoxy and uh, secular uh, Jews and Arabs, and you cross all the time, and basically you feel a place that it's for everybody, and you touch everybody somehow. Can you just take us a little bit uh, backwards? To my story, to yeah. my background. Uh, yes, I was raised in a family of very special parents that they made Aliyah. They were born in Chicago. And they made uh, Aliyah to Israel in the 50s. They came by boat. Everybody was uh, were crying that they are leaving and they won't see them forever. And it was very rare. It was before the Six Day War, before uh, it was like a thing that people did. And they came here with two kids. And I'm the first one born in Israel, the third of seven children. Wow. <laughs> yeah. My father was a very special person. He was a genius, a rabbi, and a very outstanding person. He raised us as, in the, I would say, the Socratic way of asking questions. Every night, his question to me was, what's your good question today? Oh. So it wasn't about answers. It was about questions. So it was always questioning things. And I loved learning. Yeah. Yeah. Very yeah. yeah. and very and he did it in a philosophical way also of uh, accepting all questions. It made his life uh, a bit complicated because all of his children chose different uh, ways. My mother didn't understand his way of thinking, and she said, "We're missing only a priest in our family because she didn't realize what's going on in the different." Uh, denominations, uh, but it was an honor. So the gate of knowledge was, was a gate that I was raised to, to study a lot, to read, to ask questions, and to understand at the end of things that all is one, that we all believe in the same, and that uh, the main thing is the journey, the process of questioning, the walking in life, not... Um, product, not um, like the outcome of something very so clear. So the questions or also seeking the answers? So he was, uh, it was always 
It was uh, the questions, it was the secret. He lived a very orthodox life and we were raised like that, very, um, very strict and looking at all the, the rituals that we have to do, but it was always with the deep meaning of it. So uh, even though now I don't practice the same life that, uh, that I was raised by, I am very connected to the roots of the knowledge, of the wisdom, of the depth that uh, Judaism has to offer or every other religion. And that's why I feel very free. And my father also blessed that way when I created my nonprofit, Chaverut, and I, the first evening, the event was to bring a blessing event into the hospital where a Christian um, um, uh, monk, she came and spoke, a pastor, uh, a Christian one, and an Arab Sufi sheikh came. And my father was the blessing of the uh, Orthodox mm. Judaism. So it was to say we, we're here with the three um religion oh. and, uh, and he didn't mind no he, he loved it he loved it he was a, that was the that's what i mean it's the blessing of and i would say it's the principle of chaplaincy that we studied in uh, i had the honor of studying a lot in new york from michal springer she's a very big uh, teacher and now she's in that she was in jts now she's at the presbyterian hospital and uh, Rachel Kahn passed away. She was our mentor and a teacher in spiritual care. And the phrase was from the Bible. There's a phrase, Ba'asher Husham, that God listened to, to wherever, you are. wherever you are, God will hear you. So the skill and the main essence of a, of a pastoral caregiver, a spiritual caregiver, a chaplain, is to be with the person wherever he, she, they are. And not to judge, not to try and fix, not to bring to your religion, just to be with the person and help them connect to their own spiritual resources. So it will but be- if, uh, The spiritual sources uh, include uh, really asking why, the question why. We can go back and I don't know, I probably will ask your father what he thought about the Holocaust. Why the Holocaust happened to the Jews? Uh, why we are not protected by God that we call him when we need healing? You know, these kind of questions. I want, you know, everybody, I think, I don't know what is the answer uh, given in the process of a, of it's a, a beautiful yeah. chaos. Yeah, so Victor Sorkin will answer, and that's where we I study him a lot, and uh, now we have um, all, all the existential philosophy, and also in the Jewish thought, it's not only uh, the why question is very big, and what we want to, and it doesn't always help us. What we uh, it brings you into a dead end because right. things happen. What we learn also from Buddhist approach is this is how the world is. There's life and death, there's illness, there's death, there's suffering. This is how a world is uh, created. And the question that could bring us 
into uh, moving ahead, it will be how. How will I live my That's life? I wanted to say, because knowing uh, Rachel and her journey, I don't remember ever uh, getting stuck on the question why. Yeah, but we have to mention, but, by the way, that so I, just I, I have to feel, just, people don't know that you lost a child. But we'll get to it. But she always, she always, focused on the how and that's how she created the her organization so if you want to tell us uh you can tell us a little bit about Haverut. yeah thank you why and, and how yeah so that's really the the why question is really huge and it's not huge that i mean that we won't real and uh, deal with it but uh but it doesn't get you anywhere and what we learn is that uh, the most terrible things can happen to you. And if we're asking the question in a victim way of asking questions about life, we stay victims and we suffer and our suffering grows. And when we uh, acknowledge that this is my journey and this is what I have, and that's where I start to ask, okay, so what will help me? What do I need? What's the meaning of it? How can I learn from it and grow from what is happening? So that's my journey that when I had my second uh, daughter, I was 25. And after two weeks, she began being sick. We thought pneumonia, we thought a cold. Then she was in the hospital. It was a thought that she has a disease that she didn't get vaccinated yet, uh, the strep or pertussis. And, and then it turned out after uh, two months that she's, uh, after her situation deteriorated very much, that she suffers from uh, cystic fibrosis. And that's where I would say that the journey, my first journey in life was through knowledge, through studying about the meaning of life, through asking the big questions, what is life and what, what is the world and why are we here and all the books that I studied with my uh, father and others, and that was my search. So then the gate of suffering opened, and now it was not about reading it, but about practicing it. How can I practice life that is meaningful, even though we're going through such a journey of suffering? And a little child has so much pain, and so much hospitalization, and like a death sentence that she's a, uh, her, our mutation is very severe and she had very hard um, situations until we got to the age of eight and a half and she was a candidate for a lung transplant. And the only place in the world that accepted her was uh, in St. Louis. So we had the privilege of going there. And I remember when we flew to St. Louis and it was an option that was able, we could do it only because a lot of people helped to, to create the, the fundraise for being in the hospital, getting inside. But uh, I remember myself talking to God in the plane and saying, I'm fighting. I'm doing everything that I can. I'm the mother that will want to bring the stone from the moon or the, the flower, uh, the golden flower for my child because I will fight. And we had already other children that we, uh, that I gave birth to. So it was already a family of five children that we traveled wow. uh, 
the beginning I went with her alone and then everybody came and, uh, and it was a success. It was a, she got the lungs. We came back to Israel after half a year and life began in a new chapter. But then suddenly in myself, I realized that it's temporary. That's something that I got a gift, but everything is fragile. And after she got well? Yeah. After, the, yeah. yeah. after she got the lungs and it was the new chapter, I understand suddenly that time is limited. And that's where I started to practice saying uh, on my own how to inhale and exhale and understand that there was something precious here. And after that, after a year and a half, she got a chronic rejection of the lungs and there was no uh, more what to do. So that's where I said, we're starting love therapy. It's not, there's no cure and we're, it's not starting. We had it and she was 11 and a half and she died at home in my arms. And when we did that, uh, when I knew that we did all that we could do in the medicine, medical way to, of curing and, and trying to do the best that we can. And then the lesson was how to let go and to be and to love and to sing and paint and create with her and write in her journal and, and do all that. Uh, that's the, the meaningful way of, of being in the world. And she taught me, she taught me that life could be meaningful and a person could be healthy and creative even at her last moments of life. Right. It's a very deep lesson. That's, that's amazing because, you know, it's like going to heaven, um, not as, not as a, I don't know how to say it, not as, as, a, a, not as a victim. Uh, going mm -hmm. to heaven with a lot of Tatsumot Nefesh, with a lot of... Uh, uh, she had a big heart and a big yeah, But uh, also, you know, spirit. that yeah, but also uh, what we wish we will all have, you know, like yeah. uh, we, need a, we need to embrace, embrace everything that is on the planet, you know, it's yeah. life, is death, but it's to accept it and... And, you know, it's really very difficult. You no, know, all of us, to a certain point, think about uh, death, right? And it's a, I think it's wonderful if somebody will encounter what you are doing early, as yeah. early as possible, so they can get the tools of, you of, know, of transform yourself. But I think that's it, my vision. I yeah. think in many <laughs> ways, there are things that are given or built in. And people feel differently, think differently. They're surrounded by different people and the different energies and abilities. And for some people, you know, in certain situations, they something triggers and they and you find out that they have different abilities and more layers that can uh, really influence and you can connect with. But the beautiful thing that I always find about Rachel's work is not to focus only on the person that is sick or needs the help. It's the yes. whole surrounding right. and create an environment and, and allow the people 
that support or need to help or need to really do even everything more, even more to help them to be able to help more and get help themselves uh and function in the best way in a very wide range you know i will and contact you the... because i'm writing now a new screenplay uh where i deal with the father and son relationships where the older son was killed in a war and one of them is the father is really running away and actually destroying everything around him because he just cannot if nobody, nobody and nobody actually helps him and the son is chasing after him to get the support he needs so mm-hmm. what you know it's so complicated and wide range you know yeah. this um, the, the spiritual care that um, most people don't are not don't have the luck to yeah. be able to to think yeah. about it early yeah and that's why what we're trying to do uh, as also as tv said but it's my vision and and i'm happy that we have now more partners of understanding that we have to train in it early when we're healthy We have to, it has to start even from kindergarten, but of yes. course, uh, to be able to speak about our vulnerable places, about our to fears. Cushion, to cushion to everybody. Ask, right. Yeah, and to, and to open it as questions and as a, the spiritual resources to learn how to meditate. And meditation doesn't have to be sitting like Om and doing uh, this. It could be through drawing. It could be through art. It could be through music, but to find What connects you to your healthy core and brings balance into your life and connects you to the meaning of life and that's where you choose you are able to choose your the own choice story. Is really, yeah, yeah key, to choose key. your your life and I think also a, it's important to um, maintain this this spirit and this action even in When you think you're covered and you're not really covered because it's not enough to have help or to have somebody watching you or to have somebody uh, financing you it's really the spirit and emotional activity even if you think oh it's a waste because you know it's not going anywhere or um, um, we can afford to do this but it's It's very important that this cushion is basically supporting every side in the equation because even yeah. if, if you do it, it helps you to do more and to support more. Yeah. And everybody is uh, growing and everybody is uh, getting more and more and more all the time. And you know that something has an end, but the spirit is growing all the time. even with mm-hmm. it. Um, so you also, for example, give spiritual care to uh, people with post-trauma? Yes, yes. There are specialties in different uh, areas. So it could be a spiritual care provider that, uh, that is specializing in that uh, field. This is one thing that I would say. And also as uh, about what Siri said before is like, That uh, in my organization, we also support the environment in the way that it's a systemic, it's a spiritual systemic approach. 
So that's why now they call me in the morning, the head nurse of the hospice, asking for immediate support for her staff because they're going through a traumatic experience of so many losses. Right. Tomorrow we'll have a session for the nurses at the Botanical Garden to sit together and to listen to them because if we don't care for the nurse and care right. for the doctor and care for the secretary and for the family member and, uh, and the patient herself, we won't do the work. So it's everybody- is, in, the, uh, in, the, in the corona, in the yeah. corona, you know, in the hospital, the, the nurses and the staff yeah. really broke. Oh, yes. and they got the yeah. like lost their, you know, everything. But by the way, there is a difference. This is a weird question. There, there is a difference between grieving some, you know, somebody who died, let's say a child, in sickness or in war. There is a, some kind of a. It's a beautiful question. Say, yes. Grieving, yes. Like when a son falls in the war, it's almost like, I don't know how to say it, but there was kind of a cause, cause for the yeah. death. Even the reason yeah. why is not really the yeah. why anymore. It's not a but way. sickness is more difficult. No, sickness is difficult. But you can. I thought you're saying also the difference between sudden death right. in war or an accident or in a in a out there in South Africa, South America, or a, from a car accident or falling from a mountain right. or the slow death of a right. of a sickness when you can say goodbye. And you can uh, do a closure with uh, if it's a parent or ask forgiveness if it's a spouse or whatever. So it's a lot of, yes, it's not weird. It's This is how we study. This is what we do in our studies, in our trainings, to understand there are different layers, different kinds yeah, broad of knowledge, broad knowledge. Unbelievable. But it's not like most great. doctors are looking through very specific things that they can do, and, you know, like a bone or but in what you're talking about, it's very broad. I mean, but grief yeah. is grief, and um, and everybody is taking it differently, and everybody needs support, right. and everybody choose their way to handle it. Um, no matter what the reason is for the tragedy, you have to deal with this somehow. So. You, who is taking care of you? True question. <laughs> I just came in the morning, I was with my psychologist. So I, I always say that we have to have the triangle. We have to have the best doctor when I'm talking about disease, about sickness. We have to be, have a, a medical care that is very good for our body. I have to have the psychological support of a psychologist, of an expert going into the pathology to questioning things from the past or whatever. And the spiritual uh, support that it's it's the three dimensions. So I had my psychologist in the morning, and then I had my peer group of friends that I just came uh, now that we read together. There's the book, uh, The Choice of Edith Eager. Have you read it? No. It's a it's a must book. Choice, choice by whom? Edith Eager, E G E R. It's amazing. She is 96, lives in San Diego. Uh, Look on YouTube, uh, her, um, she's a Holocaust survivor. And these are uh, like when you have what we call chivruta, that you have uh, uh, like you, the both of you are sitting together and studying about people and meeting people. So 
this is a spiritual resource for me to, uh, to study with a friend, to talk about the meaning of life, to practice, a, to practice the meditation, to be together. So I need the spiritual support. I need the psychologist. And, and that's why I, one of my goals is that the doctors and nurses will get supervision the same as we in the therapy uh, professions. Right, right. You're not allowed to give treatment as a therapist, as a psychologist, social worker, without getting supervision. And the nurses and doctors work yeah. with psychiatric and they don't get it. So that's why I'm involved in a medical school, a nursing school right. to teach and the way of caring for yourself and uh, also dealing with the deep issues the, the name of her organization is Chaverut, which means Root was the name of her daughter. Uh-huh. And Chaverut is friendship and it's togetherness. Yeah. It's very nice. So this is, this nice. is the meaning it's in like, Hebrew. Like... But the thing is that, um, you know, maintenance of life has all kinds of departments and I think if people would understand that all the departments need to be oiled all the time in order to support each other, so then you can face um, all kinds of moments on every level uh, in a better way. And whether you do it alone or together or your way, uh, everybody chooses their way and whatever they need because it's very personal, very couture, the way to listen to yourself and build all the the parts that you need in order to keep going in the best way. This is an art by itself that everybody should learn because this is the only way you can really cushion yourself. Yeah, but you know, but maybe the question is people from specific culture uh, or people who are religious, is it easier for them? You know, to confront questions like death or or, lo- or losing, grieving. Um... No, I don't think so. I think at the beginning you think that uh, this sector has answer, and we this sector doesn't have answers. Like I'm without God, so I don't have the answer of why did this happen. And uh, I remember when I studied by Michal at JTS, we studied with a Muslim uh, uh, imam. And he said to us, you Jews are always angry. We have, a, <laughs> we have in our religion, we accept. We say thank you to Allah and we have to love and to bring back love and that's our religion. And you question, you have Job that asks questions. You, you have uh, Abraham that asks, uh, why did you do this? And, and the is arguing with each other. Yeah, you're arguing and we are accepting. And it was uh, also, as you see sometimes when I work in the ultra-Orthodox community and uh, women that are amazing and they have lost kids or uh, they are themselves ill with uh, breast cancer. And at the beginning, you have the ritual and the words of, of faith. But then when you sit, you sit quietly with the person with not ans- with no answers and no rushing. And then the pain comes because we are human beings. Right. Mm-hmm. And you feel pain and you feel alone and you feel a because the religious ones, you know, cannot really um, express it. 
No, so that's what I mean. So we sit with the with the person a few minutes or a few hours or a few days, and then the pain comes, and suddenly someone can be can be afraid of it. Oh, does it mean that I'm not believing that I'm not a true believer? And then I open Psalms with them, and I show them. There's a beautiful phrase, my father and mother left me and God is saved me, embraced me. And I say, even King David with Psalms said to God, why, why did you do this? Or here I'm alone with no father and mother. And that's where the tears come together. And we see that the the Bible and Psalms has given us the permission to feel, to explore our, all of our emotions and to ask questions and to say that we are upset and to be there and then it to pray. complicated because they cannot do it, you know, on a regular- They can, I do it with people. I yeah. do it with people. And they cannot and do it with, with their community. Like they cannot express, uh, you know, those incredible pain. You just have to, you know, God, that's it. And now they can sit with you and Rachel that she crosses over because she understands where they come from. She has she can answer them their language and she can take them to the other side or to the place that they can uh, relate to. So when you have this uh, knowledge and understanding right. and empathy, uh, you can cross over and take them more uh, in, in a more right. and Yeah, and there's a lot of programs also in New York uh, of spiritual of chaplaincy with Orthodox financing people, it with Satmir people. I mean, in the is it my program? That's why I'm going to to New York to the states to Boston to fundraise because it's a nonprofit organization, and I need uh, the funding from generous people. So this is part of the of the work. Uh, it's really to find uh, partners in the world that wants to create a holistic approach to connect everybody and really everybody, the Orthodox community, the Arab community, the, the secular Jewish community, the secular, all denominations, it doesn't matter because we are all the same and we all deserve to be connected to what is bigger than us uh, in a way that you can call it God or you can call it love or you can call it the universe. It doesn't matter, but it gives the serenity of humbleness to be yeah. humble and to be, uh, to be able to create your own prayer. What is my own prayer this morning? What is my own prayer uh, when I go uh, to sleep at night? What, do I, what am I grateful about? How can I say like the three things that I'm uh, that I'm grateful for, and that makes now we know from neuroscience it makes my my well-being better just to do this to practice every day, and for sure it connects me to to being a more compassionate person, a more grateful person, and that's where I become more generous to others, yeah. and that's how our society will be healthier. It's not only in the hospital. It, it makes our society a healthy society because we are all connected to what really matters and not to the separation, not to the, and we're not victims. We can choose our own attitude. We can choose our own way of living by connecting to the, 
meaning of life. It's very and inspiring. There are so, yeah. so many people. I just told you, I just told you that it's very inspiring, Tilly. It's very important to say it hundred times. Very inspiring, the whole approach. Okay, I, I know. You know, but you know, I but know you should acknowledge well. that most people don't. But that's mm -hmm. why we have her own. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, the now I forgot what I wanted to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's gone. It will come later. It will that's come okay. later. But the main thing is that it's still going and it's growing and it gets much more cognition and it's getting wider and wider. And I think the understanding that we all need help and it's okay to ask for it yeah. and it's okay to get it. It's very helpful. And, uh, and I see how her territory is growing all the time and it's beautiful. Yeah. So... Yeah. Rachel, thank you. Tilly, thank you for introducing me. And continue growing. Thank you. Thank you so much. And good luck and we'll talk more. <laughs>